Hey guys, welcome back. My name is Steven Levinson. I am a 401k specialist here in San Diego, and I'm the host of San Diego's premier business podcast, The SD Local. So welcome on, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Today, we have such an amazing guest, Dan Fulkerson. He is the managing partner and co-founder of Bata Fulkerson. They have handled so many personal injury cases here in San Diego. Their branding, their marketing is so on point. Dan has become such a successful attorney here in San Diego. He's handled thousands and thousands of car accident cases and has personally helped recover tens of millions of dollars for victims. He is very impressive and he's very, very active on social media and again, he's so passionate. And what's so cool about Bata Fulkerson is that their logo is a silhouette of a bulldog. And Dan has a lot of bulldogs. He's very passionate, loves his bulldogs. They're super cute. And it's turned into such a cool logo. And every single time I think of personal injury attorneys, I always think of Bata Fulkerson because of that logo and because of their branding and their marketing. So cannot wait to have him on to learn about their firm, what got him into the industry in the first place, and much more. So you guys stay tuned. Dan, welcome on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. I want to just give some background as to um, how how I found out about Bata Fulkerson. Tell me. So I became an advisor in 2017 right out of college. Okay. And as any advisor, you're like, hey, I need to go out. I need to meet people. I need to network and stuff. So I was like... Hey, there's this BNI down in downtown. So I go down there and I do my spiel. And there was also, uh, another advisor that was interviewing, and he had gone a couple times prior to me, so he kind of had priority. But when I was there, I met Paul Bata. Oh yeah, and he is the nicest guy, just such a sweetheart and like super welcoming. And I did my spiel, my commercial, and when I, I first when I first met him, I thought it was fake. By the way, oh really? So I'm like, you can't be that, that nice. nice. Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, man, I wish he's like, I wish you, um, I wish you were in this group and not this dude. But he came in like a couple times before you. So he had we have to give it to him. Yep. And I was like, ah, bummer. But yep. after that, I was like, oh, Bata, and I I got his business card and I see this bulldog, and I'm like. This is such a cool logo because I'm a dog person. And I think Bulldogs and Frenchies, like, it, they're just so cool. They're full of personality. And so I start going on the website and I'm like, dude, these guys. Are, and all of a sudden, like, I'm I'm in downtown and I'm seeing cars with, like, wrapped, like, Bata Fulkerson. And I'm thinking, these guys have the coolest branding. Pro- you guys probably have the coolest branding and marketing strategy out of any company, not just law firms. But out of any company here in San Diego right now, I believe that. I appreciate that. I think it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah, I appreciate that. We, um, you know, we're in an industry that is had a reputation for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, honestly, when I, when I introduce myself and I say, Dan Fulkerson, people ask, what do you do? And I have to say, I'm a personal injury attorney. A little bit of me like shutters because the reputation is sleazy, slimy ambulance chaser. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I know why that reputation exists. Like I've, I've met enough of the guys that have created that reputation to sure. understand it. 
But when we started, it was how can we run as fast in the opposite direction of that, right? right? And so it was like, what can we do to separate ourselves? What can we do so when you look at us, you're gonna know we're different, right? From from head to toe, everything done differently. And it started with the brand, and it started with how we conveyed ourselves, and like that's why we don't do the solicitous marketing. You know, you'll never see us like hope you're injured, hope you're in an accident, call right. us today. I just don't want to play that game. So yeah. I'd rather be like the community brand in like the, you know, we save bulldogs. That's what I do. I rescue bulldogs when I'm not an attorney during the day. So it's, it's just, <laughs> it's surrounding yourself with all the things you love. And this is the shit that I love. So, yeah. 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 And for those who are watching, like he's got a lot of bulldogs. Like I think what you started with how many, two or three. Don't judge me. Yeah. Um, I started with one. I got one when I was 21 years old, like a stupid, 11 o'clock at night, bought one off the internet, should have lost all my money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then two days later she, she arrived and it was, it's funny. Like she changed my life. I tell people that all the time because I was 21. I was in like the partying stage, right. you know, and just getting into stupid shit that was probably going to get me in trouble. And she made me come home every night. Like there was a responsibility level mm -hmm. and it totally changed my priorities around and shifted everything. And that's why they're the mascots. Cause I know that I wouldn't be here without the dogs and yeah. she's still with me like 17 years later, 17 years old, English bulldog still going. And <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's a, it. it's been a crazy ride. Really, They, they love to snore. Uh, they yeah. snore is like all throughout the house too. You'll hear it, bro. It's crazy. Yeah. Like we, we I've like separate them in different rooms at night. Cause if not, there's no way I'm sleeping. sleeping like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to get two king size cow king beds and I pushed them together and that's the bed. And it's like, I sleep on one and then I like, pillow fort the rest of them with their snores and we're good. That's so funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. So I, I think for me, like it's been really great bringing on uh, younger entrepreneurs because uh, what we're seeing is like, there's so many people that are uh, kind of towards the later end of their careers. And yeah. then through my networking, I've met so many younger guys that are really doing big things and it's really cool connecting with them. And that's really what the show is about is bringing on business owners, entrepreneurs, and then giving the audience the opportunity to hear like what it took to actually get there. I mean, entrepreneurship is tough. There's a lot of ups <laughs> yeah. and downs. I mean, there's times where you're getting kicked in the teeth and you're like, I don't know if I want to get back up again. And it really takes a strong person to say, no, I'm getting back up and I'm doing it all over again yeah. um, until you figure it out. So just kind of give us some background. Um, I know you went to California Western School of Law. Then yep. you also went to University of California. You got your MBA. So I went to, I started at SDSU for my undergrad okay. and was all business based and then wasn't sure whether I wanted to do my law degree or my MBA. Um, did pretty well on both LSAT GMAT to get into both mm -hmm. and got scholarship opportunities for both. So made the decision to do both of them. Mm -hmm. And I did them at the same time. So I would start, my day would start about 8 a.m. And I'd go to law school. I'd finish around four, drive up to the you know SDSU campus, start at about 4.45, go to about 9.45 at night. And finished them both in two and a half years. I think I'm probably wow. one of the only people that have finished them that quick. But it was a... Uh, it was more just, I had to, I didn't have the money to be able to, to mess around. Yeah. yeah it was piddle paddle around. I, I, I was ramen noodle diet, working at stingery nightclubs, parking cars <laughs> as a ballet, you know, at just night to make it. just to survive. Like, and yeah. it was, I remember when I hit like the two and a half year mark and I was done, I had ulcers. Like I had health issues. I was as close to burnout as you can get. Like uh -huh. my mom's, my mom's in medical and she was very concerned about me. And uh -huh. I think you can only run that hard for a certain, a amount, certain of amount of time, but I had to do it. Um, so got done and then, 
yeah, went, went on to kind of take over and run a personal injury office just because of my business background. You know, that's, that's what I do is I'm, I'm more of a businessman than I am an attorney. Right. And that's probably where my value is added most. And I figured that out early on. Whereas I think a lot of people try to fit into boxes that they shouldn't fit into. Sure. I found that my value was learning how to run the business of a law firm really well. And law firms, unfortunately, like a lot of businesses, doctors, offices, and there's a lot of industries that run this way, they don't concentrate on the business, Mm -hmm. right? Like you get out of law school and you're just a lawyer. No, you're not. You're a businessman and a lawyer. If you don't realize that, you're going to lose a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And most law firms, 90% are not set up that way. So I had an advantage from day one, which is why we were able to run as quick as we were. Mm -hmm. So when we started Botta Fulkerson, you know, we only started four and a half, five years ago. Wow. Yeah. And we built it as quick as we did because we built it like a business. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where everyone else is... Not, we were reinvesting every penny, watching ROI, you know, making sure that everything processes and systems were set up differently Mm -hmm. than other law firms. Everything down to how we pay our attorneys is Mm. a different structure than any other law firm that you'll find in the city because it had to be in order to be able to build the way that we wanted to be competitive. Yeah. And and not only competitive, but you know, I'm, I'm 36 years old and we're running one of the biggest personal injury firms in, you know, San Diego and Southern California. I didn't want to be competitive. I wanted to be the best. And we had to set everything up different because you can't, this is a game. It's like the, you know, for lack of better terms, it's like the old white country club game, right? Like (laughs) they don't want to let people in. They don't want my baby face involved. Like Mm -hmm. I still meet the guys that were running the game 10 years ago. And when they shake their hand, they don't look at me in my eye because I know what they think. Mm -hmm. That's was my motivation. That's why I wanted to just adjust everything we did and change it and do it a different way. Yeah. It's, it's worked really well. And so now I always sit down with young attorneys and I'm like, just break shit. You know what I mean? Like, don't go into it. Like you need to do it a set way, like go into it. Like you're going to break some shit and <laughs> figure it out your own way. And you'll find that the way that it's been done might not be the most efficient yeah. way yeah. to do it. You yeah. And no, I love that. Like it's, it's being, um, innovated and, you know, I, you see that too with like dentists and physicians. So they get out of dental school and all they focused on is yeah. being a dentist. And then it comes to actually running a practice yeah. and like they have no clue what they're doing. They have no idea how to balance the books, how yeah. to set up a retirement plan, how to do all these sort of things. And it, that stuff's kind of put at the wayside because they think that all they need to do is just hone in on their skills. And that's great. You do. You need to sharpen your skills. You yeah. need to be on top of what's going on in, in that area. But like you said, you know, the business is number one. Yeah. Because if not, you're not going to be around to even do what you want to do. And there's no head on swivel. It's like they've seen it done the same way forever. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way that they're going to do it, right? Like there's so many missed opportunities, so many missed pivots and moves and side hustles that could be creative mm-hmm. because you're just your tunnel vision, yeah. right? And and that's what I've seen in the legal industry. And I just refuse to do that. Like I'm always constantly like, what can we switch up? What can we do different? How can we do it different? Does that really make sense? You know? And it's like, it's that lack of ego and also like the constant, uh, it will always be able to be improved. Right. Yeah. I love that. So how do you, how'd you meet Paul? Did you guys go to school together? Okay. That makes sense. Law school. He was in my section of law school. Um, and didn't really like, we were, we were friends, but not like close, close friends yeah. and then started interning at the same place. 
And I realized that exactly what I said to you to start this, that he really is the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like he's just sincerely. He's that just got this being. big smile and he's very warm and welcoming. He's, he's, he really is. He's, he's the most thoughtful person that I've ever met. Like he yeah. constantly is thinking about other people constantly is like just utter empathy. Mm. Right. And I, I go fast. So I'm not that I can be a little like <laughs> reckless with stuff like that. He balances it, you out. It does yeah. big time because yeah. I could come off and is rude in a lot of ways. Whereas then they're like, Oh, but yeah, Paul's his partner. So he's got to <laughs> be, he's my fine. redeeming factor. Yeah. Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. But, but I, he really is like, he, yeah. he's just that guy. And so then when, you know, I, when I made my transition to deciding to start bottle Fulkerson, there wasn't much of a plan. Like mm. it was one of those situations, life situations where I found out some things that I wasn't okay with and needed to make a move very quickly. Right. right. And because there was no plan about it, there was, you know, literally like no office set, no, like, let's start a firm. It was one day I'm like, I am not okay with this. This crossed my ethical bounds. Mm -hmm. I'm out. I'll figure it out. Right? right. And I went down and started packing up my desk and Paul looks over at me and goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm out. Today's my last day. Here's why. Mm -hmm. And I'm like packing up my desk and that dude starts packing up his stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm coming with you. I'm like, okay. And that was how I knew. I'm like, you're this guy's on, ready you're on my ride. team, man. Yeah. Like you didn't have to, you, you have to I didn't ask that. you to walk yeah. and you walked and yeah. we went and the next day was the first day of bottle Fulkerson. We didn't know it, but it was the first day we we're going to figure out what we're going to do. And yeah. went to my house and pushed my kitchen table up against the wall and let's go. And that's where it started. You have those books. Like, have you ever read the book from John Grisham, Rooster Bar? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a fantastic book, but it's stuff like that, that I think, gives people in your industry a bad rap. And look, I'm in, you know, I'm a financial advisor by trade. I mean, how many movies, how many, yeah. you know, screenplays and stuff that, you know, and it's, it's entertaining and all, but it's not reality. Yeah. And I think there are some really bad actors yeah. in certain industries, but you could say that for any industry, every industry, you know, but it's good to see because there's when, when there's bad, there has to be a counter reaction and there has to be good. I believe there, that. Ha there has to be an opportunity. People see the opportunity. Hey, people are getting screwed or uh, the intentions are wrong and we want to do it different. It's what birthed bought a Fulkerson. There you go. And I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And Extremely. you guys have been very successful. Extremely. And, yeah. it, and grateful every day, yeah. you know, scariest day of my life, right? Like scariest. And I can like bring myself emotionally back to it. Best day of my life. Mm. Easily best day of my life. Yeah. 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 That's huge. If like, if you're talking to a young attorney who's like, Hey man, I want to start my own practice. Well, it doesn't have to be personal injury. It can be, you know, real estate or whatever. I mean, what, what's some advice that you would give them, you know, things that they should be thinking about maybe certain, certain areas that they shouldn't go down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same advice I give anyone. I think that the biggest trap in our society, especially with young kids is chasing money. Right. Mm. Like it's, it's how can I get rich quick? What can I do to make the most money? And I know a lot of people that are extremely wealthy, you know, more money than I can ever hope to make, mm. but maybe I even want to make and they're miserable. Mm. Right. And they're just not, not happy beings in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Money doesn't mean shit if you're not happy. Mm. And if you Very chase true. it, you can often find times find money but you won't be happy. And so I tell people all the yeah. time and I, I mean it, like I sincerely mean it, like find what you would really be okay doing every day mm -hmm. and do it a lot and, and do it a lot. Right. 
and not getting paid for it. And I guarantee you, if you're good at it, you'll make a lot of money, but you'll also be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's how I try to structure every part of my life, right? Like I try to like build my life around the things that make me happy. That's why the dogs are a part of the firm. That's why they're there every day because yeah. they make me happy yeah. as shit. So why not? Right? They're running around. the. I see your Instagram stories. They're running around the office. Oh. Staff is hanging out with the dogs. And honestly, I was bringing my, I brought my dog in here a couple of times um, throughout the day. And like, it's just sometimes you're like, ah, oh, today's a little bit of a rough day. You look down and you pet them. You're like, oh, my life's better now. <laughs> right. I have people that come that I've never met before yeah. that just show up at my office, ring the bell, and I like to answer the door and they're like, hey, I've been having a really bad week. Can I just hang out with the dogs? And I'm like, this is a thing. Like, like, it's emotional support and, dog. Yeah. yeah. And now we have a lady that just went through cancer treatment that oh. pops in probably every three weeks. And she literally just lays down on the conference room floor and plays with the dogs for an hour. Oh. And I'm like, let me know when you're done. Yeah. And it's like, how cool is that? Like, yeah. that's my life. Like that's, it's there. It's not work. And, and people so I've heard, yeah, right. I've heard, I've heard that the, my whole life is like, once you find what you're going to want to do, you, it'll never feel like work. It's the shit's the truth. Yeah. It just takes some time to find it. Yeah, totally. I think that's a really good piece of advice. Cause I think, um, you're right. And I, and I think that when you're chasing, you're finding happiness every single time you land, but when you don't land, then it's like this brutal feeling in yeah. your stomach and your heart and your soul. And then it turns into this addiction of having to constantly bring in money um, or bring in a new client or hitting some new, you know, achievement or something like that. And instead of focusing on like, Hey, I, I'm actually really loving this whole process that, that <laughs> you're not so focused on the end goal, but you're more focused on just loving the whole process of what you have to do to you to get to that point. Can I tell you what's helped me with those the, avoiding any of the crashes? Yeah. Like, and I, and I don't have, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I've several side hustle businesses. So there's constantly shit that goes wrong. <laughs> I'm a fireman at this point in time. You know, I wake up just feeling like, what am I going to, what problem am I going to fix today? Mm. I do a lot of charity work. Mm-hmm. I sit on seven charity boards. I help with foster youth. We have a food pantry down in Barrio. We gave it a million meals last year. Wow. If you actually don't just cut the checks, like actually boots on the ground, like go and show up and like do that work. You immediately have a perspective swing mm. and you don't have those crashes mm-hmm. because you realize that that kind of shit just does not matter at the <laughs> end of the yeah. day. Like it just, it doesn't matter. And the small stuff is always small stuff. Mm. And that is a perspective thing for me. And so that's why I do as much of it. And it's, it's almost selfish at this point because it's why I, I'm, I don't have bad days. Like I truly, it's not just like words. I don't have bad yeah. days just because of, of that perspective. Yeah, that's huge. No, I agree. I mean, it's very easy. You kind of mentioned bubble. Uh, It's very easy to get stuck in a bubble. And um, there's a lot out there. And there's a lot of people that are struggling. um, And the issues that we have are menial in comparison. So I agree. Yeah. You know, I totally agree. So what's what's new with you? What have you been up to? What are some new projects? What are you working on? New projects. So, I mean, obviously last year was a, a... a twist up for everyone. Um, we'd been working on a new restaurant we were starting down in. Really? Yeah. In, uh, East village, Pokey Vita. Wow. And we'd started it, started planning back in like October 19, but build out had started when pandemic hit. Mm. So it's like, Oh great. We're building a new restaurant 
and all the restaurants are shut down. So that was a trip. Um, thank God, like good business partners. We've been able to pivot. Well, we actually, because we didn't want to lay off employees that we just hired, we started a meal prep company. Mm. So preppy's meal prep company was birthed out of the pandemic and about out of really just keeping jobs. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, gone really, really well. And we have, you know, 200 subscribers every week now. And so it's, it birthed the business that I didn't think would, would be a here right now. Um, we also bought a coffee company because the owner of the coffee company had to move to Texas because of the pandemic. And so we bought all his assets, rebranded it, dropkick cold brew. It's a nitro cold brew on tap. Um, it's also in office. So we have kegerators that are in office and then cans just hit the shelves and it's, it's gone gangbusters. Wow. Like it's, I think that has that company has the most legs of the side hustles that I have rolling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm working on getting us into Vegas, but we're all over San Diego in Petco and oh, a bunch of different ballparks. I mean, to the point where the, when the Mets came and played, they loved it so much. They called and had us ship it over to New York, oh, you nice. know, the next week because they wanted more. So it's, it, I'm really excited about that project and I'm really excited what's to come there. And then I, a couple of years ago was picking up some cannabis licenses and selling cannabis licenses and, you know, working on exiting that, mm-hmm. finishing that, those projects and being done there. And then just started a dog rescue the beginning of this year. I've been doing rescue stuff and helping a lot of rescues in San Diego, but decided, you know, just like why I wanted to start the own firm, it was time to do it my own way. Mm-hmm. So I started a bulldog rescue and rescuing bulldogs and working on a property in, um, El Cajon that will be like the rescue ranch mm. where they'll all be able to go. And that's so awesome. That's in the works. And that's cool. Yeah. It will be nice, like little seven acre piece of land out there for them and yeah. have someone out there with them at all times and just be able to rescue more dogs. So yeah, staying busy, man. Seriously. Like, all, always got something. So, Seriously. Yeah. I, yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it. I don't do uh, the couch life well. Like I get anxious. Yeah. And so it's like what? Keep it moving. You know, yeah, what I, mean? I, you know, to preface for those that are watching, like I see Instagram stories of Dan and it's like five something, five thirty six in the morning. And he's like, just get up. <laughs> just get my, up. It's just for my sister. Up. Yeah. Don't take any, if anyone, it's for my sister. My <laughs> sister just started waking up early. She was sleeping till like nine 30 before. So I'm like, I'm going to yeah, like yell at you. This on my guy's Insta. up early in the morning and he's working out and then he's walking back home and you know, getting, getting, getting ready for the day. And it's a life hack, man. Like, yeah. and I didn't realize it. And I have mentors that, you know, I'm lucky enough to have coached me. And one of them shook me, you know, four or five years ago and was like, you're wasting your life being up. Like if you're in your thirties and forties, you should be up every day at five 30. Mm. And I blew it off. And then I started doing it and it changes your whole day. Like yeah. everything changes. Don't get me wrong. Not every time you want to wake up, but yeah. once you do it, like you start seeing a lot of things in your life change. And so I try to push people like get up early, get moving, mm-hmm. get going because it really does. It sets a tone for the whole rest of the day. Yeah. And if you're a night owl and you like to stay up late and go on the long YouTube rants, it's can be tough because, it can be. you know, I, yeah, you know, I'm usually in the office 6:45, 7 a.m. every day. Yep. And so, if you're not even 5 a.m., sometimes is not early enough to get done what you want to get done. Yeah. Like you got to wake up, get the workout in, breakfast, shower, get yourself ready. I mean, more like 4:30 is like the time. For I have you a to buddy that's getting up at 3:30. Yeah. And I'm like savage. I'm like Jeff, what are you doing? Doing yeah. Like what time do you go to sleep? He's like 7:30. I'm like, see, that's where it gets silly to me because you can't even go to dinner. Like, yeah. I can't, exactly. I can't even ask you to go to dinner because exactly. you're in bed. 
I was doing that for a while for like six months straight. I like in at night I made it a, a thing. You have to create a ritual at night where if it's drawing a bath and meditation and drinking your tea and really winding yourself down yeah. and getting yourself ready. Hey, yeah. I'm going to be in bed by eight o'clock and I'm out by eight 30 and I'm getting up early to crush it. Yeah. So you can't be that night owl thing and the whole partying stuff. Like you were talking about partying. Yeah. It's like for me as an entrepreneur myself, who does that? How can you even do that as an entrepreneur? The answer is a lot of people. It's crazy. It blows me away. I see some, I see a lot of guys on Instagram, very successful with like really big businesses yeah. and they're out late at night and they're drinking and partying. I'm like, how do you, how do you even wake up in the morning? Yeah, and, and, and God bless them. And I'm glad they can do it. I'll tell you, Seriously. Like, even if I could do it, I wouldn't want, want to, to because it's like, I love waking up clean, like yeah. just fresh, like ready. I, when I, when I, and I rarely drink maybe once or twice a year. When I do and I wake up the next day, I'm like, this is why I drink once or twice a year. Like, it's just, it ain't worth it. It's yeah. not, I don't got time for it. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, but God bless the people that can. It's just, yeah, I'm not built that way. Yeah. It blows me away. How old are you? 36. 36. 36. It's amazing, man. It's crazy. I mean, you've built so much in such a short period of time. I mean, four years, you've had Blatt to Fulkerson for four years Yeah, and it's, it's, it's at where it's at now. Yeah. It's, it's, um, surreal. Like it's, it's still surreal to me. Like it's mm-hmm. having the building and, and, you know, we have a 24 person staff now. Like so 24 that, people working there now. Yeah. 24 Great. person staff. Like, I mean, I, I, Paul and I laugh because it's like how it starts is with, with any business you start and you're really like worried every month about your monthly overhead. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, we were like taking barrister suites and like sharing stuff and the monthly overhead, let's say it started at 10 grand. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh my God, how are we going to cover 10 grand <laughs> yeah, a month, month, bro? Yeah. Like we're like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And then you look in a, a year later, you're at 25 grand and you're looking at each other going like, Whoa. 25 grand a month. Like, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. what if we don't bring in cases? Right. We're like, we're going to be screwed. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, you're at 70 grand. I look at it and I'm, we're at $160,000 every single month in overhead. And it's like, <laughs> but it just happens. Right. Yeah. Like it, that's just how, right. how a business. You guys rise to grows. the occasion. Yeah. And you, yeah. you got to start, you, you got to start realizing that you're going to spend money to make money. Right. And that mm. was always something that I, like was hard for me. I didn't want to spend the type of money that you need to be able to grow a business to the level that you need to grow it to. Yeah. And you can't be scared of those kind of risks. You can't be scared of those kind of investments. I say all the time, you can go to Vegas and play slots and play blackjack and do whatever, or you can bet on yourself. Right. I'll bet on myself all, all day, day yeah. long. I don't yeah. play, I don't gamble. When yeah. I'm in Vegas. All fun. But yeah. I ain't gambling. My money's staying in my pocket because yeah. I know where I'll I will I will throw those dice. Yeah. But it ain't gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw it here on some stuff that yeah. I like to play with. Exactly. Like that's how I look at it. And the odds are way more stacked against way. you than than they're more they're stacked for you when you're investing in yourself because you know yourself more and and everything else. I mean, how many cases are you guys like handling? I mean, I'm sure it fluctuates yeah. depending on it definitely on things, fluctuates. But. Um so we have seven full-time litigation attorneys now, right? Okay. So I've built this thing, Paul and I have built this thing where I am able to do what I love. Mm-hmm. And my goal is that I will never have to step foot in a courtroom ever again. That's so awesome. It's amazing. You're just like, hands off. It is amazing. <laughs> I wear J's to work every single day. Like it is 
absolutely fantastic. So that's really my job is uh, making sure that the business is running correctly, bringing in new clients, Mm. meeting with all new clients. I handhold every single case. So every client has my personal cell phone number. They all go through me. That's like my burden. So you're really the, you're not only the oversight and, and managing partner and, and everything else, but you're really, Hey, you're, um, providing that extra level of service by kind of being that client service rep as well to that case. Like, Hey, I'm here for you. This is what I'm doing, but you're not really handling. I mean, you're not doing the going into the courtroom no. and doing all that stuff, but you're there to oversee I'm the that, case. I'm that person. Right. I'm the, I'm the, when you smooth. sign up, if you need anything, here's my cell phone. You call right. me on a Sunday night at 8 PM and you and will I'm have here. me answering. And that's awesome. And that's why we've been able to build it the way that we have, because no one else does it that way. And these are human beings that have their life turned upside down. And I refuse to do it any other way. People tell me all the time, you're crazy. And I'm like, the day that I change doing it is, will be the day that I stop doing this work. Cause I don't know another way to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the human element to me is so important and I want them to know that there's a connection. Well, expand like, so you, that's the way you do it. Like talk about, and, and, and not to, we're not here like to, you know, talk down on other practices, but this is the way you do it. You, you believe that this is the way to go. So talk to me about like, tell me exactly how other firms may, may handle these sort of cases and, and why your method of doing things is, is better. It's a lot of call center, right? Like it's a lot of like incoming call center because in a principal doesn't want to have to deal with the life sacrifice of having to answer the phones. Yeah. What you realize is that initial call is the most important call because that's the sniff out, right? That's where you figure out, is this someone I even want to mess with? Even if it sounds like a good case, is this person going to be problematic? Like that's where your intuition can start to go and you can start to save yourself an abundance of time. Mm. It's also where you capture a lot of really, really good cases in business because people don't, they know they're talking to a call center. They Mm -hmm. know that they're getting transferred over. When I pick up, like I just settled out a really big case for a couple million bucks for this guy. And I asked him cause he's an older guy and I know he has friends that do what I do in the community that have been doing it for a long time. So I'm like, why'd you pick me? And he goes, when I called you, do you know what you were doing? And I was like, no, I don't like, I have no idea. He's like, you were at a Lakers game, man. You <laughs> picked up your phone at a Lakers game. I could hear it in the background. You told me you're at a Lakers game and you told me you'd call me back. He's like, as soon as I knew that, he's like, that's why I went with you. Yeah. He's like, cause if you're going to pick up your phone in that situation, I know you're always going to be there for me. Mm. And there, there's something to that when your life's turned upside down. I agree. Right now, don't get me wrong. Like I've looked at it so many different ways on a business level. Is it the most efficient way to do it? Maybe not. Maybe but who not. Cares? Exactly. But it's effective. It's and effective, that's what and it allows me. We have a five star Yelp review. Like we have, like yeah. every client that walks out of my office is happy as shit. Yeah, it's client service that's, man, over everything. That's more important to me than money. Mm. That, that once you get to that point, the it, money but comes. It, but yeah, yeah, yeah. because I've I've now gotten to a place. Thankfully, and not everyone can say this, and I know that, so I don't say this like in a way that it sounds, but I've now gotten to a place where I don't have to do it for the money. Mm. I could walk away tomorrow, thank God, because of my investments and side businesses, and you know, I'd walk away and could do something for the rest of my life and be perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. I do this because I want to do it, so I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Yep. And that's the only way that I know how to do it right. And that's after 11 years of trying it different ways, looking at it different ways. Other firms send out uh, investigators to go sign up clients. 
I want to go to your house. I want to meet you. Right. I want to see how you are as a human. I want to see how your life's turned upside down. Mm. Because guess what? Then when I'm communicating that to the case, yeah. I know. Exactly. I know the on. intangibles. I know, you know, that those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just an important thing for me. Um, I, my clients become my friends, mm. right? Like, I had a lady and it, it just, it broke my heart. I had a lady that I, we got a bunch of money for, for a brain injury. And she texted me last week and she let me know that her husband passed of a very aggressive cancer. And the text was, but I want you to know that he knew that I was good and taken care of because of what you guys did for me. Mm. And That's that huge. will always be a blessing. And yeah. like for me, like, no, but it's it's stuff like that. That's why you get into the business in the first place. Yep. And 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 really not to make this about me at all. But you know, we're sitting here in in my office. We're a family firm. We're a boutique firm, and that's exactly how we operate as well too. Like when you pick up the phone and call us, we pick up no matter what. If it's on a weekend, if it's the middle of the night, if you email us in the middle of the night, like we are on the ball. And I think our clients love that. They love that 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 sort of service because at the end of the day, today. People are pawned off to some 1-800 number and then they have to re, you know, uh, explain their situation over and over again. Yep. And it doesn't feel like anyone cares when people are looking for an answer and they're looking for help. Yep. And that's exactly what you're providing, especially during a very vulnerable time, uh, during a car accident or, or, or whatever. So it, that's huge. They want to feel like, hey, you're on my team, right? Yeah. We're going to get through this together because a lot of people don't think they're going to get through it. Right. Like they don't, they don't. And so it has to be, they have to have someone on the other side going, I've seen this before a lot. We're going to be fine. Have faith, grab Mm -hmm. my hand. I'm going to pull you through it. (laughs) And that's a lot of times how it works. You know what I mean? They don't know where to go. They don't know where to get medical care. They don't know all of these things. Yeah. That's my job. That's your job to help them out. That's my job. And be there. So with all these birds, right? So I'm sure in their contracts, you can't, you can't sue birds. It's fun, right? But can you sue the city for having bad roads? Yes. So that is the the way to go. You should be an attorney, sir. That is exactly (laughs) the answer. So bird has very, very, very strong indemnification contracts, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you download that app, you are waiving your rights. And it is like, I don't care if there's no breaks. I don't care what happens. You're not coming after bird. And those have been fought and they've been upheld. So have fun, right? Like birds pretty insulated, but the city has an obligation. If they're going to allow and invite companies like bird to come in and be a part of the city, they have an obligation to keep the road safe. And so if they're not maintaining the roads and if you have situations where people are riding birds, where they're supposed to be riding birds and there are, you know, you need to know the laws around that and not be riding them where you shouldn't be because then you're on your own. But if you're riding them where you should be and you hit things like potholes or defects in the roads or things like that, then the city is liable. Um, And we've been successful on those cases and have been able to recover for clients. But I've had a lot of calls where there's not a city defect and someone's just really, really hurt on a bird and there's nothing they're, you can do. And they're just trying to get something out of it. Yeah. yeah like what can I, and I get it. Like yeah. I, had a, I had a husband call me, his wife died. She was on a bird in a parking lot and what? she went down and hit her head and died of a brain injury from oh. a bird. And it's so crazy. so crazy. Right. And so if you're him, like I can understand why you make the oh, call. You're, livid, man. You're, you're like, these aren't safe. And the old birds, you see the new ones are bigger. Yeah. The, the wheels are bigger. Have, the wheel They're a little bit more robust. The old ones, the yeah, wheels were, were so small that if you hit anything or you twist too hard, oh, yeah, you're going down, you're going over. Yeah. So 
Were they safe? No, <laughs> no. But did they have really good contract language and really good attorneys that built them in a place that, that they yeah. did? Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Like Broadway, I always complain and I'm, I'm like a broken record. I live here in downtown and I take Broadway every time I go home and I'm like, man, these roads, it's like third world country roads. They're so bad. Yeah. I mean, they're so bad. There's so many, you, what you drive East on Broadway, just to go out to East village. It, it, it's every, every section of that road is just completely broken up. I mean, it's like we're living in San Diego here. It's crazy. I mean, it's like one of the wealthiest cities in I America. Mean, I can tell you, I've been doing this for 12 years now. One of the things that we do is city claims, right? Mm-hmm. Like if the city screws up, I don't make a habit after going out of the city. I love this place. But if the city screws up and hurts someone, that's what we do. Yeah. I can tell you, I have more city claims and more government claims in my office right now than I've ever had. Really? Be- Yo, wow. not even close because they are not maintaining the streets the way that they should. Mm-hmm. They are letting negligent, dangerous conditions be there when mm-hmm. they shouldn't be there. You th- you see things, see things like these new bike lanes, right? Yeah. Yeah. The bikers hate the bike lanes. Like, hate the bike lanes. We've seen so many bike accidents since these bike lanes have gone in because what happens is you take out a lane of travel for Uh cars. You put these bike lanes in. Well, guess who else is using these bike lanes? Scooters are using these bike lanes. People are walking in these bike lanes. Mostly slow people that are riding bikes slowly are in these bike bike lanes. So these people that are in their spandex riding every single day on their bikes, guess where they're back? Now they're forced back into traffic, back into one of those now smaller lanes of travel and we're seeing a lot of really bad accidents. And I'm talking to these bicyclists that come in and they're like, they should have just left the streets the way they were. They were way safer before we liked them more before. So it's like the city does things to say that they're going to invite more bike travel, but the people that they're doing it for don't like it. So what are you doing? That's poor city planning. Cause it's like, how about asking bikers what they would want and not want? Thank you. I mean, you'd think that, and and I think that it just goes to show you just government in general making rules, but never having any experience in, in that industry or, or in that, you know, activity or whatever. And it's poor. Cause I agree. I mean, you see people all the time drive and, and then I think they also did it to add some extra parking spots because with that lane, then they created some extra parking spots where these cars, but then that creates even more issues because then these people will come in, they'll park in, but then they won't look and then they'll come out and then they'll smash into somebody. hundred percent. It's just the worst thing ever, man. It's such a weird setup. And now, you know, in North park in places like this, you've put them in and you've taken out, they haven't put in parking. So they took out all those spots, put in the bike lane and then never put any more parking. So you have all these businesses that are like, what do you think is going to happen to me? Like we are going to die on the vine because there's no one that can come park and visit us. That's a problem. So we'll see. Yeah, man. Yeah. I just don't get it. Cause San Diego is a great city. It really is. You know, I'm, if you don't know, I'm, you know, fifth gen San Diegan, like super deeply rooted here. Love San Diego, but it's, it's definitely like, there's certain areas that I'm like, man, like, I'm surprised that the city isn't paying more attention. Uh, for me, I would just love, I would love for them to just repave all of Broadway, yeah. make it one. I mean, do you know how much traffic 
travels back and forth on Broadway every single day. I mean, it's one of the most important roads in downtown. I was driving over here and just seeing like, you know, cause I, I, I don't come downtown as much as I do now that our office is mission Hills, just how the homeless problems become worse and the, how uncleanly it is. And you then start to do the math on what it would take for the city to hire at $15 an hour. Cause that's what they pay a lot of these guys that mm-hmm. are downtown in the trucks, cleaning everything up, hiring additional cleanup crews, paving the roads. And then you see where they are spending money and the amount of money that they're spending on other projects mm-hmm. that aren't doing nearly what that would do. And it doesn't make sense. It's, it's head scratching because you're not going to get people flowing back into Gaslamp and Gaslamp flourishing again until people feel safe and clean. Yeah. And right now they don't. They, they don't. And, you know, I've been living in downtown for four years. I lived over at Park Terrace overlooking the ballpark for uh, 18 months. And then I've been in East village for 18 months. And during the pandemic, a lot of the homeless, uh, they were actually here in the gas lamp. So they were able to sleep in front of businesses or they were in the convention center because everything was closed. The cops weren't going to tell them, Hey, you got to leave from, nope. and, and you, you can't sleep in front of this business. Cause they were all closed. It didn't really, really matter. I felt like, I think, yeah, they just left it alone. Everything opened up. Now they've pushed all these. They're all under the the, the um, yep. underpasses. Yep. And I mean, here we are paying four or five thousand dollars a month in in rent, and then you 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 walk down and you got Skid Row. Yep. I mean, go down here by this new this new building down oh, yeah. here in downtown. It's Skid Row right underneath you, but you're paying four or five thousand dollars a month to live in a luxury premium apartment. Yep. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's yep. actually really really embarrassing, and I feel bad. It's not their fault. You know, it's the city's fault. It is. There's seriously a major issue. And you're right. It is. It's disgusting. There's not enough trash cans, but the trash cans is an issue. You know why? Because they rummage through the trash cans. So trash is all over the ground. So it's a major problem. And now with L.A. banning uh, homeless. Yep. Where are they going to go? I know. I know. It's either north or south. And I I think down here looks pretty attractive. I know. It's a scary thing. It's It's a serious problem. So I... I wouldn't be surprised that if in the next year, there's going to be a whole lot more of it. I I shouldn't move out. I moved out of downtown and my logic and reason I didn't want to. I loved where I lived. I moved out because I'm like, I don't want to watch people shit anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That shouldn't be a reason yeah. like that you move, right? Like, And that was my <laughs> reason was like, I don't I, – that's not something I ever need to see again. Right. I'm moving. And – I think you're right. I think that unless we have a pretty serious wake up call in this city, we're going to see, you know, LA 2.0, LA, San Francisco 2.0. And there's a reason why those cities are hemorrhaging people. And I hope that that's not where we go, but I worry about it because I watch the policies that are put in place and they're not policies that would discourage that they're policies that would encourage that. And that's, disheartening yeah and so you have the situation right now where you have a lot of people that are from san francisco they're paying six thousand dollars a month for maybe a thousand square foot place up uh, out there pandemic happened they realized hey we don't need to even be living here anymore we can work from anywhere so they come down here with their high paying tech job and there's thousands of them doing that here in san diego yep. which then raises the prices up here yep or down here and on top of that with the homelessness as well too so yeah it's an issue yep. i mean and and by no means are we talking crap about homeless people or or anything. It's not about the homeless. There's plenty of them that have a lot of mental health issues. They're veterans that didn't get the help that they needed. The insurance companies didn't help them out. I mean, it's seriously a major issue in this country. 
But it's really, really unfortunate when you're a hardworking person who's like working really hard to have a nice place or, or, or walk through the city that you love and you feel like not safe. Yeah. Like, and my issue is in no way the homelessness, right? Like I, that's why doing all the outreach work that we do, working at the food pantry, being right. down there um, just in time for foster youth, like you, you realize that 50% of foster youth, once they turn 18, are homeless within a year wow, because they have amazing. no services, right? Like wow. that's a crazy statistic. So I have in no, I have, I have nothing but sympathy for anyone that finds themselves in that place where I put blame is I put it on governments and I put it on cities and I put it on local municipalities who have just completely dropped the ball. And the reason why is look at the salaries Mm. that go into these things, right? There's hundreds of thousands of dollars of salaries that are being paid to people to solve the problem that has never even come close to being solved. Why? Because if you solve the problem, those salaries go away. They're gone. Yeah. Why would you solve it? It's, it's a, it's an internal problem. It's not a, it's not a homeless problem. It's a governmental problem. I know how much money I spend and how much impact I get out of my dollars. There's no reason that the tax money that we're paying into this city shouldn't be going to solve the problem. Instead, it falls into cracks and holes and is not used efficiently. That's where I get frustrated. I don't have a problem paying taxes, but do something good with my money or let me do something good with my money. Yeah, exactly. Give me the opportunity. Give me the opportunity. Exactly. I'll clean this place up. (laughs) Let me spend my money. You know what I mean? Stop taking 51% of my money and I'll show you some stuff. Yeah. If you're up there, it's, it's high. I mean, it's, it's up there with a lot of socialist countries that you, you pay about 50%. Uh, in tax, but at least you get free healthcare. We're talking about getting higher. Yeah. We're talking capital gains going to 56%. Yeah. That's madness. Like I'm selling all my investment properties right now, just like preparing for (laughs) For what could happen because that's what I see coming. Oh man. Yeah. We'll see, man. It's the, the environment is definitely changing. There was a lot that happened in the last year and a half and I don't want to get too granular with, with all that, but it, it's, uh, very concerning. It's very concerning. And, um, there's been a lot of people that have been really, really affected by it. And then there's been a lot of stories that their careers flourished yeah. during this time. So it's pretty interesting hearing, like I've talked to some people like, Hey, how did COVID affect your business? Like we're doing better than we've oh, yeah. ever done before. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Anyone online. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's funny. A lot of them are like very, you know, like-minded with me where they hate the lockdowns. Yeah. But I talk to them and they're like, like the personal part of me is so against this, but the business side of me is it's, like, it's great. I'm gonna make four times more money if you lock us down again. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's a weird, weird time. Right yeah, now. it's very, very strange. Yeah, it's very strange. Well, good man. It's it's been such a pleasure. Like I I've seen you on social. Um, I met Paul, and I believe I had uh, Casey Madden on. Yeah, I know Casey. Chiropractor. Yeah, yeah. And, Casey's great. Uh, she was like, oh, you need to have Dan on. She's had now, a baby. Oh, I think she just had a kid. Really? Yeah. Wow. Good for her. She's a great Cairo though. Yeah. 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 She's very, very passionate about what she does, man. Like that's a person that you're just talking about who wakes up every day and is just stoked about what she's doing. You know it the second you meet her. Yeah. She's just like, hey, let me tell you everything about the central nervous system and how I can help you with migraines and everything else. And she's she's really a a go-getter. and um, She's good people. Yeah, she is. She really is. So, And Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos. Slept through the whole interview. Juan, you're you're the man. Juan Carlos <laughs> was originally Johnny Cash. I think I told you. And yeah. 
found out he only speaks Spanish, so he yeah. became Juan Carlos. Yeah, he's he's a good looking dude. He's he's a Pepe Le Pew of my office. <laughs> There's nothing that he's found that he doesn't like. So. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, well, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, on. I really do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Take care, man. Of course.